just saying, I really enjoy your writing, especially your output on, on gender ideology. I think it's a massive issue at the minute and too, too few people are really sticking their head above the parapet. So in case I forget, just wanted to thank you for that up front. Um, maybe you could let our audience and listeners know uh, what you do. How would you describe it? How to describe it? Right. So um, I'm um, assistant editor at The Critic, um, but my main sort of passion, the thing I write most about, and I write a lot for, for Spike, and I know you do as well, Stephen, um, is gender identity ideology. So um, the idea that um, we've got, uh, we've each got a sex, obviously, and that we've got a sense of gender identity that may or may not align with our sex bodies. I happen to think that's nonsense, but obviously um, that's a very unpopular opinion at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's it tends to be something that almost anyone you would ask anywhere on planet Earth would agree with. However, when you get to places like academia, media institutions, uh, corporations, HR departments, they it seems like this vocal minority has a hold over what the rest of us are allowed to say out loud. Hugely, hugely. Um, and I mean, I, I don't think it can be um, unpicked from technological developments. So um, I do think it's a, a step towards uh, transhumanism. I think that sort of mind-body split is something that is going to be very lucrative in the future. Um, and I also don't think it can be unpicked from pornography, which I'm pretty sure is, is driving a lot of men to pursue their fetish to the point where they see themselves as the opposite sex. That's that's an interesting aspect that I hadn't considered, so I'll, I'll definitely pick up on that momentarily. Um, first, I just wanted to get your opinion on the whole Costa cartoon double mastectomy advert that's been making headlines. For those who aren't aware, Costa used a, an image, a cartoon image of uh, an androgynous female, young female, uh, complete with double mastectomy scars. This is the very common amongst young girls who have who have transitioned uh, to a male identity as they see it. And so I suppose to play devil's advocate on, on the face of it, many would say this is a progressive move from Costa. This is a way of them to show support and solidarity to young trans people who are, who are making these changes. However, those of us who have been paying attention to this issue will know it's nothing of the sort really, is it? Are you still with us, Joe? You appear to have gone sideways. Can anyone hear me? <laughs> Give me a wave if you can hear me, Joe. Some serious gremlins in the works today if anyone if anyone in the chat can hear and see me uh let me know i think we'll be bringing joe back in momentarily okay thanks agent orange for that clarification i wasn't sure whether i'd fell over or joe had but she seems to be having a few technical issues so hopefully she can get that that sorted and, and join us oh there we go Let's see if we can bring Joe back in. Joe, yeah, can you hear me? I can't hear you. Have you got yourself on mute? Can, they have, can people in the chat hear Joe? I'm determined to have a conversation with you today, for sure. Okay, so can anyone hear Joe? Yeah, <laughs> Sean leaves for two minutes and everything goes Pete Tong's pretty accurate. Um, 
what I'd do, Joe, if you could, if you can still hear me, is control R on your, your feed and refresh it for me, please. If you can, if you can refresh, if you can hear me, okay, if you can somehow refresh your browser, that might solve the issue. Okay, hopefully we'll be able to get Joe sorted and back with us soon. Um, right, so. Joe, are you with us? Can you hear me? <laughs> How, how's your sign language? <laughs> All right, well, I'm hoping, I'm still hoping that we're going to be able to have this conversation. I'm just going to refresh too, just in case I'm not the issue. I seem to think people in the chat can hear and see me okay, which I apologise for profusely to start with. Okay, I'm back. If those in the chat, just oh, now we've got two Joes. What is happening? Hello, can you hear me now? Hey. <laughs> this is why I usually don't do anything live on my channel. It's <laughs> just terrible. Uh, just to just to get you straight back in, I was just asking you about the uh, Costa Coffee advertisement. The young trans, uh, well, the young female, basically with double mastectomy. How? Many people will think that's a progressive move to support trans identity and trans rights. But those of us that have been paying attention to this, it's, it's slightly more sinister, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's clearly a form of self-harm. That's what we're seeing here. So those, those mastectomy scars, I mean, firstly, they've sort of been cutesy and sanitised. And it's really disturbing that this sort of image, this shorthand for inclusion, if you like, which it really isn't, is um, appearing in children's cartoons. So Blues 2s, which is a massively popular American cartoon. Um, similarly, um, it's it's in, you know, if you, get, if you go to your local library, and just have a look in the kids department, you will see, I guarantee it, you will see books introducing LGBTQ identities, which really just focus on the trans, and it will include um, young women with mastectomy scars. And we know that girls in particular, adolescent girls, um, are really susceptible to social contagions. So they're far more likely to um, to cut themselves in groups. You know, that's that's what was, I wouldn't hesitate to say popular, but you know, that was the sort of the contagion when I was at school. It was eating disorders and cutting itself. This is a new variation of it, but we didn't have massive corporations saying it was progressive. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a fascinating point. And I, I know like a lot of attention's taken up on female spaces uh, being taken over by, you know, trans-identified males, which is a massive issue, but not as much focus and attention has been put on this issue of social contagion, which seems like a, a real phenomenon of the data. There we tend to see that young girls who 
want to transition seem to cluster in groups, don't they, as yes. friends and, and things like that. So I suppose my concern usually with this is how do we um, how do we differentiate this between older attitudes that would single out, say, homo homosexuality as a learned trait or almost a social contagion because the transgender movement has very cleverly attached itself to the gay rights movement and then things seem to be lumped in together i don't think that makes any sense but people will look at arguments like social contagion and say well this is just the same as saying that you can sort of catch homosexuality or, or learn homosexuality yeah i mean they're very very different things you know i'm in a same-sex relationship myself so you know it really matters to me that these things aren't conflated um so the whole ideology of, of gender identity is homophobic because um, a lot of, particularly when, when you look at young people, because a lot of the behaviours and traits that um, young LGB people display um, are associated with the opposite sex. We don't know why, but it's a pattern. So then they go online, they try and sort of interpret their feelings of being same-sex attracted and not interested in stereotypical things of their sex and they come to the conclusion that they're trans. And then adults affirm them because they're terrified about, you know, this, this myth of suicide ideation. It isn't true. They're no more likely to commit suicide, thankfully, than any other group. But that's something that's pushed by those who promote the idea of transition. So the other reason that um, gender identity ideology is homophobic is that it suggests that you can be for example a lesbian with a penis <laughs> because if um, men can identify as, as women and just by saying they're women then you have to logically accept the idea that some lesbians have penises and what's even more ridiculous yeah and what's even more ridiculous there aren't any single sex like lesbian meetup places anymore or gay male meetup places anymore because you end up with basically people LARPing, straight people LARPing at being gay and, and, and finding their way in. And obviously for um, some men, that's a fetish because they love the idea. You remember the old joke about, you know, I'm a lesbian on the inside. It's effectively that. Only now it's been portrayed as a civil rights movement. It just isn't. That's a really that I think that's the most taboo aspect of this entire conversation, is it? That in the, sort of the Venn diagram of what even Stonewall would would class as a transgender identity, it'd be you wouldn't be able to sort of weed out the fetishes fetishes rather from that. Um, so I mean, I suppose what you're saying is it's almost I mean, conversion therapy was a massive uh, phrase in the news over the you know last decade or so how you know certain ultra religious organizations would think you could you know pray away the gay or cure the gay or whatever it is aversion therapy horrible treatments like that and it seems now we've got something that's very similar but falling under the guise of, of a progressive ideology the idea that maybe you haven't got a gay son maybe you've just got a, a, a daughter uh, you know, maybe you haven't got a, a gay daughter. Maybe you've just got a, a, a son trapped in your daughter's body. And this was uncovered with a lot of exposés in the Tavistock Clinic, wasn't it? And it seems like the reaction to that wasn't as loud uh, and as outraged as it would have been had it been just played or plain old sort of religious conservatism or pseudoscience. Yeah. And I mean, you only have to look at what happens in Iran, um, for example, where it's illegal to be gay. Um, so they have a very high rate of transition because, you know, then, then you don't get murdered. Hey. <laughs> um, and the same, same as um, in India. So in India at the moment, Stonewall actually have an arm. They've been lobbying in India um, and uh, alongside other uh, Western NGOs. And um, transition is now funded by the state, or so-called transition because it's cosmetic surgery, really. That's now funded by the state. But of course, it's still illegal in most states to be um, 
in a same-sex relationship, and uh, corrective rape of lesbians is pretty normal, and similarly honor killings. So, of course, the way you like, if if a boy is thought to be gay or a girl is thought to be gay, whatever you know, a lesbian, um, honor killings are quite normal, sadly. So. Obviously, the, the thing that, um, that that they do is they transition and there's less shame in having or less sort of social stigma and shame in having a, a sort of similar crumb of the opposite sex, if you like, um, which is pretty bloody dark and depressing. Agreed. I, 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 I kid you not, but I've, I've honestly seen commentators use Iran uh, as an example of a sort of bastion of progressiveness or how it outdoes the West in terms of state-funded transition. And obviously it's a ra rather inconvenient truth that it's just a way of kind of cl clinging to this idea that there's zero homosexuality in Iran. But I suppose this issue of um, children, I mean, just the, just the women's spaces angle should be enough really for outrage and condemnation and change in policies. But it feels to me like the the... the child transition aspect or the Tavistock clinic seems to be the thing that's the, the straw that's breaking the camel's back with a lot of people it seems like a lot of people are responding to that quite strongly now and kind of getting red pilled as they'd say or peaked uh, as they'd say do you feel like there's, there's some sort of progression in that, that area now absolutely and the UK is leading the way in it without a doubt um, so, you know, I'm really kind of quite proud at the moment to be on. We're known as Turf Island. Turf Island, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, and I think it is thanks to um, some really brave medical professionals, groups like Transgender Trend, who have been sort of banging the drum about this since 2015. And they were ridiculed, they were monstered, they've been dismissed by NHS bodies. And slowly it's coming quite clear that, in fact, they were right all along. Well... You mentioned the P word earlier, uh, and that's a, a big looming societal factor. Now, it's, you know, the digital age has really changed how everyone can access and consume porn throughout ages, unfortunately. Uh, and you seem to think that's having some detrimental effects on, you know, young perceptions and relationships. How big of an issue is this? Oh, huge. Um, so, I mean, if, if you, for example, if you're a 14 year old lesbian and you Google lesbian, what are you going to see? <laughs> it's not going to be a happy relationship, is it? It's not going to be a normal sort of, yeah, of course it's not. So I think sort of faced with that prospect, well, you can either be essentially an, an, an object for men primarily to desire, or you can pretend to be a man yourself. So of course that's going to, to influence a lot of girls to transition. Um, and I think as well, when it comes to, to men, um, I think this kind of, there's, so there's a, a writer called Genevieve Gluck, and she's done a lot of research into um, pornography as a driver for men transitioning. So um, they, they literally sort of, it's called autogynephilia, is the, is the um, clinical term for it. Um, and it's the erotic arousal at the thought of yourself as a woman. And essentially, it's really insulting because it reduces the idea of being a woman to sex and to being a sexual object. Um, and that is actually what they, they base their identity on. Um, and I think that's part of why we've seen such a huge increase. But of course, they want to hide the fact it's a fetish. And they do that by inventing the idea of the transgender child. So you actually get quite a lot of older men online effectively grooming young women and young boys into thinking that they're the opposite sex as well. And that's a hugely under-investigated and under-explored area, but it is happening. Yeah, yeah. I have I have seen this lately of the sort of transgender parents with a non-binary partner who just so happens to have two trans oh, yeah. 
yeah. kids as well seems to be a, a growing thing, which it, it's, I mean, I, there's no other way of saying it really, that is child abuse, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, what's quite shocking is, you know, you have um, some some charities which have, um, which have been promoting this, which have, um, which have influenced the policy at the Tavistock. Um, and yeah, I don't think there is any hard evidence to suggest that you can in any real sense be born into the wrong body. So it is either a fetish or it is body dysmorphia. Either way, that's that's not, um, uh, that's that's a psychiatric condition. It's not a medical condition. Yeah, that's a really interesting way of looking at it, because if it is a, a condition to be treated, it seems a really strange approach that we would have opted for the affirmation model this long really and that, that seems to be the standard way didn't it for the longest time that if somebody uh, get you know uh, a, a young boy had some stereotypical feminine behaviors uh, and they took him to a gender clinic they may start putting down the the path of transition and we, we know that once you get locked in in terms of puberty blockers and things like that you know medical transitions not not far away and i'm just wondering how much more of a scandal you feel this will be in the coming years and decades we already know that tavistock's uh, engaged in litigation with i think over three thousand cases is this going to be one of the biggest scandals of our day in the coming years absolutely i think it will be looked back on in the same way as lobotomies in the same way as thalidomide i think all of those medical scandals will pale into comparison i think in the states we will start to see change and we are starting to see change because detransitioners are beginning to take lawsuits um and it's it's happening in the uk as well um so there are a couple of very brave obviously there's kira bell there's Sinead watson who wrote a very good piece i urge everybody to look it up in the mail about her mastectomy and what she's been through um and then, in fact, there was a report today from um, from Australia of a, a young woman who thought she was a man going in for a hysterectomy, and it turned out she was pregnant. And um, obviously, they hadn't checked, and oh, um, and the baby died. Um, so you know, so this is this is a, a huge medical scandal on so many levels. Um, but I think it will be litigation, probably, that brings it to a close. Okay, and in, in terms of corporate involvement in all this, swinging back to Costa, is this? Mm virtue signaling for these big corporations i mean you point out that costa is owned by coca-cola something i didn't yeah. know uh and they were nowhere to be seen when it would really have mattered to champion sort of civil yeah. rights for gay people and, and things like that so i mean the people really need to get a bit wiser to these companies in terms of they're not doing what they think is ethical they think what they're doing what they think is going to be popular and sell coffees and things like that yeah i mean uh... I know that Coca-Cola have, have had um, some quite serious allegations against them in terms of their um, their ethics. Um, you know, there is absolutely no way that this is a, a moral decision on their part. I mean, it might be um, it might be that they're thinking about. You know, it does tend to be um, younger people who um, who seek to transition, and obviously Coca-Cola is an American company, though Costa isn't; it's British. Um, so I guess there's probably a bit of a, a push from that direction. Um, more widely, I, I mean, it's, you know, people talk about Section 28 and, um, and there's a, you know, and sort of look, look, look at what's happening at the moment in those terms um, with regards to those who identify as trans. I actually think it's the other way because now we have institutions effectively saying you can't be same-sex attracted, um, that, um, that that's verboten because it excludes those who identify as trans. So um, I kind of feel like they are um, propping up the power systems that they're claiming to um, be sort of liberating people from. And why is it their job anyway? I mean, you know, they sell shit coffee. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, as a woman who's sort of um, engaging in this argument from a gender critical perspective, do you feel that in a way you've been having to have, have this argument with one arm tied behind your back for the longest time in the way that language is enforced? Obviously, pref preferred pronouns have become standard in a lot of places. We have some very bizarre and draconian speech laws in the UK where misgendering may lead to a, a knock on the door from the police. We know historically social uh, media platforms have banned women for, you know, correctly sexing men. Uh, did you feel like this this uh, argument's been skewed in, in one direction for too long? Hugely, um, but it is starting to change. Um, so I think Elon Musk, his intervention on Twitter has been brilliant. Um, and he has recently said that he will cover the... Um, uh, court costs for anyone um, who has sort of, you know, supposedly been accused of misgendering on Twitter mm. and, um, or causing any of the sort of like hate speech type offence. He'd cover their court costs with their employees if they lost their job over it. And obviously that was the case for Maya for starter. I think winning her ruling made a, a huge difference in terms of protecting gender critical speech um, under the Equality Act. Although really, it's a bit bonkers that telling the truth and just being honest should have to be a protected belief because it's just the truth. <laughs> um, but um, but at the same time, things have changed hugely. And it does frustrate me that so many newspapers, their style guides and all the rest of it still insist on referring to people by their preferred pronouns rather than their actual pronouns. Yeah. And I seem to remember some cases a while back, including the BBC, where they change direct quotes of, of victims who are identifying their attackers in some horrendous crimes but they change direct quotes to use their preferred pronouns which is which is incredible because it's 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 taking from women the capacity to accurately describe reality surely yeah it is and i mean it's happened in court cases as well so uh, maria mclachlan um she was assaulted by a trans activist in 2017 at hyde park corner when you know the gender critical movement in the uk was just sort of beginning to come together and the judge in in her case reprimanded her for uh referring to the six foot young man who attacked her as a him Mm. <laughs> yeah. um and you know you think well my god it's 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 bad enough in those circumstances but when it comes to sexual violence i can't imagine anything more degrading or humiliating than having to stand up in a court and refer to your rapist as a she yeah to yeah agreed i mean what seems in entirely crazy about this debate to me is that it wasn't an issue until about 10 minutes ago comparatively we, we all seemed on the same page in, in terms of what is a man and what is a woman and how that affects you know sports for instance uh, safeguarding female only spaces things like that uh, now we get into a place where we're clawing back to where we were 10 minutes ago very slowly and it feels like progress just to get back to somewhere we already was does this, does this question make any sense to you oh yeah totally i mean it, it frustrates the hell out of me there are a lot of other things i'd rather be writing about than bloody gender identity and yeah. i think I, I think a lot of us feel the same it's just like oh for god's sake but at the same time it is so fundamental because you know i'm, I'm a feminist and i don't think you can have women's rights unless you can accurately define what a woman is and you're not going to get taken for court for saying it so yeah it's i think sort of just re-establishing those terms is the absolute foundation of everything else i don't think anyone could have predicted that the question what is a woman would become a massive political <laughs> test in the upcoming elections or any political candidate that stepped forward and i just want to get your opinion on uh, a, a party that was typically a party that you would you would have assumed would fight for you know female emancipation which is the labor party in the uk <laughs> seeming to every time they come anywhere near this question seem to put their foot in their mouth yeah 
I mean, the way they have treated Rosie Duffield, who is one of the very few MPs who have stood up and said, well, you know, actually, <laughs> being a woman isn't an identity, it's not a costume, it's not something you can just choose to be, it's who you are, it's how you're born. Um, and she has been monstered for that. And she couldn't even go to her party's conference um, in um, uh, 20, uh, a couple of years ago, because she had such severe threats from trans activists, because, you know, they're quite unhinged people, a lot of them. <laughs> um, and Keir Starmer hasn't met with her. And now he's actually sort of changed the policy to some extent on genderized self-identification. They saw how badly it went wrong in Scotland with Ilsa Bryson and what was sort of happening there. And they rolled back from it a bit, but they, he's never apologised. And obviously now we could have potentially um, Eddie Izzard, who is now calling himself Susie Eddie Izzard, um, and going by she, her pronouns um, in Brighton. So it hasn't actually, the contest hasn't actually started yet, but it hasn't held him back. Um, he's um, he's put himself forward. I mean, technically, I guess he could put himself forward on a women-only shortlist, according to um, the Labour Party. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's going to rip them apart. Although, it, uh, it is worth bearing in mind that the creep of this ideology has happened under the past sort of 13 years or whatever it is now of Tory government. That, yeah, that, that's a really interesting point. And I, I, I can't really gauge how this is going to play out because to me, it seems like a lot of people are invested in this question of what is a woman and whether their political candidates could can answer it in a satisfactory manner. But that might just be because of the waters I swim in. So, I mean, does, does, does this kind of thing really have the ability to sort of uh, cause an election upset, do you think? Is there enough people oh, invested yeah. in it? Definitely, definitely. And I think I think it's been sort of for ages, it was dismissed as like, you know, identity politics as a woman's thing, as a this, as a that. It was kind of, but it is so fundamental. I think who the hell would trust a politician if they couldn't identify what a woman was? You know, how, how can anyone trust Keir Starmer now? He said, oh, I think it's wrong to say that only women have a cervix. And then he said, oh, some some women have penises. And now apparently he does agree that a woman is an adult human female. Well, you know, that's that's. A, a remarkable sort of lack of backbone on quite a serious issue um so yes i think it has and it will continue to do some damage i think that should be a standardized question forever it cuts right through the noise and, and finds out whether you're tethered to reality or not or what kind of ideologies you you adhere to straight away what is a woman and it's 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 almost become performance art and almost comedic hasn't it to watch <laughs> politicians spill over this very basic question yeah, no, absolutely. And I, we know they all know. Everybody bloody knows. <laughs> you know, just, just ask your mum. Everybody knows. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, just swinging back to this idea of social contagion, which is having a massive, massive impact. I mean, what, what we're essentially saying is there are lots of young women now who, who would grow up just to figure out their sexuality that they're, they're perhaps a lesbian hopefully go on to a you know a, a prosperous and happy life with that identity but because they're, they're, there's so much that comes with you know female puberty that experience identity crises when it comes to sexuality they're, they're almost in a way trying to opt out of this uh yeah. by identifying as a male is that the basic theory yeah absolutely i think girls are opting out and men are opting in to their pornified fantasy so yeah i think it's there's a strange similarity there and i think if you want any evidence that you know two sexes that we definitely have two sexes you only have to look at the different ways they transition <laughs> mm -hmm. um, kind of you know ironically um so yeah i think um what's what's happening and i mean you know when you look it's hard not to see it as the sterilization of generation of lgb kids effectively um, it, I mean, you know, I can laugh about it, but it's, it is really sad. Um, and a lot of them, um, you know, we don't know what the impact will be on their um, fertility. Um, so Sinead Watson, the woman I mentioned earlier, she's never going to be able to breastfeed a child. 
Um, the chances are the testosterone she was taking for years may, may have impacted her fertility, and we, we just don't know yet. We're going to see a sort of roll. You know, this is going to this is going to mm. be an ongoing process um, of what, when we sort of start to discover the harm that we've done. Yeah, it's it's a it's especially disheartening, and especially such a big scandal because we we already knew this was madness before it began, and it's took us mm. you know it's took this to, to get us there. But uh, Joe, I, I could speak to you all night. I'm, I'm really grateful that you've come on and spoke to us. I apologise for the technical issues. At no, the start no, not sure. Uh, maybe you could just let our, our viewers know where they can find more of your wonderful writing. Oh, thank you. Um, so yes, if you go to the critic, um, I, I write a lot for the critic. I write a lot for Spiked, and you can follow me on social media. I think I'm at joe underscore bartosh wonderful thank you very much for speaking to me i've really enjoyed it thank you bye take care